0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about issues related to ministry leadership. This is the second of a two-part presentation on integrity in ministry leadership. Uh, Started it last week. Hope if you've listened to that, this will be a good follow-up for you. If you haven't, uh, go back and pick that one up and then come back perhaps and add this one uh, to the mix. So just to summarize briefly what I said last week, we started out by defining integrity. Integrity Uh, comes from the same root word uh, from which we get the word integer, which means whole or undivided. An integer is a number like a five instead of a fraction like a 3 sixteenths. And so integrity at its root means wholeness or being undivided. We then talked about the fact that uh, it means for us as leaders that we are whole or undivided in our words, beliefs, and actions meaning that our words, beliefs, and actions are integrated, they're congruent, Are they all line up. And I used a simple illustration last week of three fingers. If you hold them up and call one of them words, another one beliefs, and another one actions, you can see that they are separated in front of you. But then if you turn your hand sideways, you can line them up and see that they all line up, and it looks like one finger or one person. And so being integrated means that your words, beliefs, and actions all line up. That they have congruity, uh, that they all go together. That's what a person of integrity uh, strives for, and is that kind of oneness or wholeness. I also talked about the fact that uh, a person of integrity has this wholeness or this undividedness, if you will, in three arenas of life or three areas of life: their home. Their church or leadership, ministry, ministry leadership responsibilities, and their community are their public life, so that your words, beliefs, and actions all line up at home, and they all line up at church or in leadership roles at church, and they all line up in the community or in your public life, so that you are the same person in all three locations. And then uh, those three areas line up so that, as I said, you're the same everywhere. People don't say, well, he acts one way at church and another way in the community, or she acts one way at home and another way in the community. No, we're the same person everywhere. I also talked about the challenges to our integrity that typically come from three areas that I refer to as the unholy trinity of leadership influence um, our leadership uh, forces, and those are money, sex, and power. So we have to have words, beliefs, and actions that all line up. They're all integrated, they're all congruent so that we are the same person in three areas or arenas, home, church, and ministry leadership roles, our community or, and public life. And then we have to really work hard at making sure that our words, beliefs, and actions line up uh, with our handling of money, our responsib- our responsibility of se- making good sexual choices about our, about our moral lives, and then third, uh, about the use of, the use of power uh, in ministry leadership. Well, with that foundation then, last week I talked about the first of three spiritual affirmations or three spiritual foundations which have helped me uh, to maintain integrity. The first one is that I am in submission to Jesus as Lord. And I talked a good deal last week about what that means uh, about some simple practices that you can put into place that will help orient you on a consistent basis to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then I shared very personally uh, some prayers that have become a part of my journaling and a part of my life experience as I've had in key moments of either attending an event or a a, a, a a transformative conversation or maybe even something in my devotional time, but key moments in my life where uh, there's been a crystallizing of this reality that I'm in submission to Jesus as Lord, and I was able to write a short prayer to crystallize that moment and the, the insight that I received in that moment, and I go back and pray those prayers from time to time. Now, as I said last week, they're not a mantra or something I do every day, but they're just something that I have in my spiritual resource bag, if you will, that I can draw out from time to time to help me reorient myself to Jesus Christ as Lord. Well, today I want to talk about two more of these spiritual foundation points or two more affirmations that help me maintain integrity in leadership. So the second affirmation is this. I am a steward, accountable, accountable. To Jesus as Lord. I'm a steward accountable to Jesus as Lord. Now, you can find in Luke 16 1 through 15 and 1 Corinthians 4 1 through 2, uh, both a story about stewardship and then an expression of leadership as stewardship in these two passages of Scripture. We normally think of stewardship in the context of finances or money. We teach and preach that stewards are people who receive that which is not their own and use it for the benefit of the owner or the benefit of the master. And so we understand that our money's not our own, that our money belongs to God. He shares it with us and we're stewards over it. We must make use of those resources, not just what we give away, but also what we save and what we spend. We have to make use of those resources as stewards, as people who recognize that we've received something from God, in this case money, and we have to use it for his benefit, for his purposes, and for his glory. Well, I want to apply that same uh, train of thought to the area of your leadership responsibility. Jesus said that he has all authority, and he made it very clear that he's the only leader of his church. Therefore, If I'm in a leadership role in a church or ministry organization, that means Jesus, the leader, has shared some of his leadership responsibility with me or brought me into a leadership role that shares some of his leadership uh, role with me. That means that the leadership role that I have today as president of Gateway Seminary is not mine. It was not bestowed upon me by the board of trustees. It's actually a small piece of Jesus' leadership of his global church that he has shared with me. And so my leadership role and my leadership responsibility is a stewardship. And I am accountable to uh, my board, but I am ultimately accountable to Jesus for that leadership responsibility. And I'm to use the leadership role he's given me to advance his purposes to accomplish his agenda, and to bring him glory. Just as I use the money he's given me to do those things, I'm also responsible to use the leadership opportunities, the leadership responsibilities, and the leadership role that he's extended to me to accomplish for him what he wants done. Now, how can I remember in a practical way that i am accountable to jesus as lord well there are three perspectives or or three uh, statements that really help me uh, to do this these are kind of ingrained in me i've been preaching and teaching and living these long enough that that they've really become sort of second nature and i talk about them all the time in different contexts but let me summarize them and isolate them for you today first you are a steward in your leadership role if you remember that you are only temporary in your current position. You're temporary in your current position. Now that means everyone is an interim leader. It means that you received your leadership role from someone else, and you're going to pass it on to the next person. Now you say, well, I was a church planter and no one came before me. Well, then you received your leadership role from the Lord who called you into pastoral leadership and gave you that responsibility. But you're certainly going to pass your leadership baton to another person at some time in the future. No one of us is a permanent leader. We're all interim. We all received our leadership responsibility and role from someone and we're going to pass it off to someone else. Now you might be thinking, Well, not me. I've devoted my whole life to this particular role or responsibility that I've been given. I plan to stay here 30, maybe even 40 years. And then what will happen? You will die. And when you die, you will pass your leadership role and responsibility to another person. Listen, every leader is temporary. We all received our role and responsibility from someone, and we're going to pass it along to someone else. This helps me remember that my leadership role is a stewardship. One thing that helps me in this regard is to reflect on the fact that someday I I will pass away, I I will die. And I ask myself this question, what happens if I die while I'm the president of Gateway Seminary? What happens if on my next airplane trip a, a tragedy happens or in my drive home from work today a car accident takes my life or some ticking time bomb of a health crisis within me that I don't even know about erupts and I lose my life? What happens then? Well. First, people will be sad. I hope. I hope they'll miss me a little bit. And the board will meet. And they will have a serious uh, plan to to have a memorial service to honor my time at the seminary. And then after that service is over, the board will meet again. And they will elect a search committee and they will start looking for a president. And six to 12 months after I'm gone, the seminary will have another president and they'll be moving forward into the future. No one of us is permanent in our leadership role. And it will help you if you can envision your own death and your own passing from the role that you have. It'll motivate you to recognize that what you've received is a stewardship, and you're accountable for that stewardship. You're supposed to make the most of it while you have it, but never become possessive of your leadership role and elevate yourself to a place where you think you're the king or you're the emperor or you're the most important potentate on the planet. It all revolves around you. It doesn't. It all revolves around Jesus, and we're simply holding a part of his leadership responsibility as a stewardship. Another affirmation that helps me is to remember, uh, for all of us to remember, that we are not indispensable in our organizations. Charles de Gaulle, the noted French leader throughout the middle part of the last century, once said this, The cemetery is full of indispensable men. Well, we all like to think that we're indispensable, and we all think of certain employees that we have in our organization. Man, if that person left, or if that woman left, or if that guy moved on, I don't know what we would do. Well, I'm not questioning the fact that people make a significant contribution in leaving them, and and their leaving might leave a hole in your organization, but I'll tell you exactly what you would do. Uh, You'd replace them, and you'd move on. No one is indispensable. Everyone can be replaced. And then a third statement that really helps me is to recognize that I'm a transitional person in my position. I recognize that I received, for example, the presidency of Gateway Seminary from a really wonderful man named Dr. Bill Cruz. Uh, Dr. Cruz was a Christian gentleman of the first order, and he served the seminary with distinction. And when it came time for me to be president, he handed the responsibility over to me and then became my private supporter and my public advocate and cheerleader. It's hard for me to say enough kind words about Dr. Cruz for how he transitioned the role to me. But that modeled for me what I've already been thinking about now for a number of years, and that is how will I transition this role to the next person. And I don't mean a transition plan, although that's important too, What I mean is, how will I prepare the seminary uh, to transition it to the next leader so that that person will have a long and effective opportunity of leadership just as I've had? Let me give you just one example. A leader who's only focused on his own needs or her own era is only concerned about, for example, raising money to support programs that are needed right now, and we're certainly doing that at Gateway Seminary. But we also work really hard cultivating people who will leave estate gifts that may not come to the seminary for the next 10, 20, even 30 years. Asking people to include us in their will so that in the future, uh, leaders who are in this particular responsibility that I now have will receive the benefit of my work and will be strengthened and blessed in what they do by what we did these years before. We don't get any any direct benefit from that uh, today. But I'm, I'm building something for the future here, and I'm thinking about the next leader, and sometimes even the leader after that, and making decisions now that will honor and bless that person, not just take care of the immediate need. And so when you say, I'm a steward accountable to Jesus as Lord— You're recognizing that Jesus is the leader of his church and of every organization that serves his church, and that if you have a leadership role, it's because he shared some responsibility and he shared some of his role with you. And these perspectives help reinforce that conviction in my life. I hope they'll help you as well. Remind yourself often I am temporary in my position, I'm not going to be here forever. Someone will come after me, I have to hold the reins loosely because this isn't all about me. And then, I'm, I'm not indispensable in my organization. Um, if something happened to me, if I moved on, if I was called to a different location, the organization would go on without me. Therefore, I wanna to serve to make the organization as strong as possible, but not make it all about me. And then, I'm a transitional p- person in my current leadership role. Even if I plan to stay 30 or 40 years, I have to recognize that I'm going to give this over to someone else. If I'm a pastor, there'll be a pastor after me. If I'm a president, there'll be a president after me. No matter what leadership role you have, there's going to come someone after you. And so while you're making decisions every day to strengthen the work you're doing now, you also have to be thinking about how can I build something that will be here for the generations because the Lord is going to share this leadership role with someone else in the future, and I want to hand it off in the healthiest way possible that I would, will have been a good steward over my time but also a good steward over the future of the organization. So it helps me if I remember that I... I'm a steward accountable to Jesus as Lord. And then finally, a third affirmation is, I am under an authority structure affirmed by Jesus as Lord. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says that he has all authority. But then, in the Bible, he creates authority structures. He creates authority structures in the home, he creates authority structures in the community, and he also creates authority structures in the church. And I think you can extend that to say in Christian organizations. All authority belongs to Jesus. We must never forget that. But he has created structures of authority through which he shares his authority and supervises his people. So it's important for me as a leader to recognize that I am under the authority of Jesus But beyond that, I have to cooperate with the authority structure that is affirmed by Jesus as Lord. So, uh, what are some practices that reinforce accountability to authority structures? And how do these contribute to integrity? Well, they contribute to integrity because I'm a weak person. Uh, I'm sinful and I know it. But even though I'm willing to admit that, I don't know the darkness of my own heart. There are things that I try to justify, things that I try to excuse. There's drift that I experience, and having a good authority structure around me, a structure of accountability, helps me to stay on track. And every person needs these. That's why the Lord set them up authority structures in the church, excuse me, authority structures in the home and the community, but for our purposes today, authority structures in the church which help keep us on track. So let's divide this into two parts. Let me talk about personal accountability and then some professional accountability. Um, To maintain personal accountability in the authority structures that I have, I've made some choices about transparency. Uh, The first one is I've made a choice that I will have transparency with my wife and children. Now this was particularly important when my children lived at home. But I made the decision many years ago that in my personal life uh, as a leader and as a husband and father that I would practice transparency, meaning that I would not knowingly involve myself in anything that my children and spouse could not know about. Now, I realize there are some professional responsibilities, and we'll get to those in a moment, that uh, my children and spouse couldn't always know the details of, but now I'm talking about more personal behaviors that relate to my leadership responsibility and my leadership example. I'll just give you one. I made a decision many years ago that I would not participate for entertainment purposes in any activity my children and my wife could not share. Now that does not mean that my wife and children had to share those experiences, but there was nothing that I would do that my children could not share if the opportunity uh, arose. Now one of the clearest applications of this for me was it controlled the kind of movies that, I watched, uh, uh, that I've watched as an adult. I made a decision, gosh, I made this decision um, 40 years ago that I would not go to or watch um, R-rated movies for the simple purpose that I did not want to expose myself to the sexuality and violence that they presented because I knew that those things would not be healthy for my wife or my children, and I didn't want to give my approval to those things and by participating in them say to my children or my spouse, these are things you should be doing too. Now I realize this was a personal choice, and I want to be very clear here. I am not saying every person has to make the same choice. That's a legalism I will not put on other people. But I'm telling you about a choice I made. I made a choice to be transparent with my wife and children about the entertainment uh, that I exposed myself to or the entertainment that I uh, participated in. And that choice caused me to miss out on some things over the years, but the choice also gave me complete transparency with my children and wife. There are no videos in our home that they can't watch. There are no magazines or books that come into our home they can't read. Now, there's no place that I go off to privately and enjoy that they couldn't have gone with me or they that I'd be embarrassed if they found out that I was there. There's just nothing about my entertainment life, if you want to say it that way, or about my practices in those areas that my children couldn't know about. Another ele- element of personal accountability to authority structures has been transparency with a few close same-sex friends, meaning that I've always had a group of men around me uh, that I willingly offered myself to in a tr- sense of uh, transparent accountability that they could speak to me and know about me and, and caution me or warn me if they saw me going in a wrong direction. And then for many years, I've also maintained transparency with a, with a mentor or a sponsor or a close spiritual guide. And I have to be frank about this. This has changed for me in the past few years because uh, these men have largely uh, or mostly passed away. Um, My mentors have been aging and dying, and I miss them. And now I find myself being in more of a mentoring role and not having this clear relationship that I've had for many years with these different men. Nevertheless, these aspects of personal accountability have helped me maintain my submission to and my responsibility to the authority structures in my life that I'm going to talk about more in just a moment. But I've made, tra- maintained transparency with my spouse and my children, particularly in areas of entertainment or things that I've done privately that uh, I didn't want to hide from them. And then I've made transparent, maintained transparency with a small group of men around me who've I had the freedom to correct me, speak to me, and be honest with me about what they saw my, how, how they saw my life tracking or trending. And then for many years, um, <clears throat> I had a mentor or a sponsor, a guide, if you will, a spiritual guide. But those, those days are, are passing as my mentors age, and, uh, and I miss them. Now let's talk about maintaining more professional accountability in ministry structures. It's important to make yourself accountable to appropriate persons in your organization. Every ministry leader needs to know to whom they are accountable. Now, I realize this is very challenging, especially in churches. Uh, Churches are notorious for having a loose structure of accountability. But it's essential that a ministry leader, particularly a pastoral leader, help a church to, uh, to develop a clear authority structure by which they can be held accountable. Uh, For us here at the seminary, uh, we have a board of trustees that are in authority over me, but within the board, there's a smaller group of six people who are selected by the board from among the board who form the personnel committee, and that personnel committee is the group that directly supervises me as president. I meet with them uh, for uh, twice a year for an evaluation meeting, and one of those meetings is a very serious meeting where they've uh, done a good bit of data collection and interpretation and then sit down with me and walk me through areas that they feel like I need to improve as a president and also congratulate me for areas they think I've excelled as a president. And while I know that I'm accountable to the full board, I know that the smaller group are going to have the particular responsibility of meeting with me on a regular basis. Now this is so freeing for me because as a person that has a bit of a public life, especially in Baptist circles... I have a number of people who give me their opinion on what I should or should not be doing. And while I try to listen kindly and take those uh, comments seriously, I'm ultimately only accountable to my board of trustees and to a small group within the board that's responsible to evaluate and guide me. As long as as, as those two groups are affirming the direction that I'm leading the seminary, I feel that I have a security and can continue to do my job effectively. That's why it's so important that pastors have a similar structure that they have a group of uh, people that they are directly responsible for to, that others can speak to that group, and that group can filter and edit, and that group can gather information and make presentation, but that group is the ones that really speak to the pastor leader. And then in a church staff situation, it's important that staff members know to whom they're accountable. Uh, is it a pastor? Is it a committee? Who is it that ultimately has authority over them? Now, there are different structures and different ways that church is going to go about this, and this, this podcast is not about how to structure your church necessarily, but it's about the importance of having a clearly identified authority structure so that every person knows to whom they're accountable, to whom they're responsible, and who can speak both correction and confirmation into their lives about the way they're leading. A second aspect of professional accountability is making yourself accountable to organizational policies. Now, I'm accountable to the organizational policies of Gateway Seminary. Uh, The personnel policies all apply to me. The vacation policies apply to me. The sick leave policies apply to me. The policies about uh, travel expenditures all apply to me. Now, as president, there are very few exceptions to these, and the only exceptions that I can get are when I go to that group that I'm accountable to uh, in the board and ask them for an exception or ask them for a variance. And on a few rare occasions, I've done that, but mostly um, I just function within the organizational policies that we have. I remember a few years ago, an employee uh, sent me a hot email saying, I don't understand why I have to fill out this form. Um, This form is ridiculous. This level of accountability shouldn't be required for a person of my leadership stature and my leadership responsibility. So I sent him back a simple email that said, I fill out this form every month. I'm not sure why you're having a problem. Please come and see me if you still don't want to do it. Well, I never heard anything back about that because he realized that I'm accountable to the same policies he's accountable for in terms of use of my time, and and because I'm accountable to organizational policy, everyone else in the organization knows they are too. So just because you're the leader doesn't exempt you from organizational policy. And one good way to maintain accountability is just do what you're supposed to do within the policies that are at hand. You say, well, our policies are archaic, or they're not clear, or they need to be changed. Well, change them. But don't ignore them. Change them, and then follow them. And then finally... um, Professional accountability involves making yourself accountable to supervision and evaluation. As I've already said, here at the seminary, uh, there's a small group of trustees that meet with me every year. They gather data from the other trustees and from other input that they receive. They bring all that together, they process it as a group, and then they meet with me and they walk me through their findings. Um, I'm not fearful of that process. I actually uh, anticipate it and look forward to it, knowing that I'll hear some things that I need to do better, but I'll also hear some things that confirm the direction I'm going and give me the affirmation that I need. Supervision and evaluation is not just about correcting people. It's about giving people a vehicle by which they can know they're actually doing what the organization wants them to do. And so ministries are notorious, again, for, uh, for being loose or lax about these processes. So let me encourage you strongly set up a system by which you get evaluated and by which you, by that evaluation, can both be affirmed and be corrected on the behaviors that are needed in your particular role. And setting up this structure will free you because it eliminates um, you trying to respond to every critic or every person who has some opinion or some perspective on what you should or should not be doing and gives you a clear line of response of what you should be doing. Now, doing this also helps us maintain uh, accountability uh, because it gives us a sense of responsiveness to the authority structures that god has created in our lives so I am under an authority structure affirmed by Jesus as Lord. My authority structure is a board of trustees, a personnel committee that relate directly to me and help me know what to do. My authority structure also involves uh, being not only responsible to appropriate persons in the organization, as I've described, but also organizational policies and supervision and evaluation that comes through those organizational structures. Cooperating with these things helps correct us. But more importantly, it helps limit us. There are times when, I'm th- when I think, I'd like to buy that, or I'd like to spend this money. And I, re- and I, and I first reflect, is that within seminary policy? Is that something that when, I, when the board finds out about it, they'll be uh, supportive? And so sometimes I self-correct because I know that what I'm about to do is either outside of policy or what I'm about to do really wouldn't be affirmed by the people who are responsible to supervise me. And so I self-correct in the moment. That's what authority structures do for us. They give us a sense of submission to Jesus... And to his authority because we recognize his authority is expressed through the authority structures in our lives. Now, if these are unclear or convoluted or need to be changed or even need to be established, that is part of your responsibility as a leader to get those things in place and then put yourself under those structures. I realize in ministry organizations this is sometimes very difficult to do, but I encourage you strongly to do it so that you might be able to maintain the integrity that's needed as a ministry leader. Well, integrity. It's about being whole or undivided or complete. It's about your words, beliefs, and actions all lining up. It's about you being the same person at home, in the church, in the community. It's about you managing the three challenges to integrity, the main ones, use of money, sexual morality, abuse of power. It's about being sure that you use all of those three things appropriately. How can you do it? Well, you'll be aided by these three great affirmations. I am in submission to Jesus as Lord. I'm a steward accountable to Jesus as Lord. And I am under an authority structure affirmed by Jesus as Lord. You put those spiritual affirmations into practice with some of the practical suggestions I've given you, and you will be strengthened in this effort you're making to live as a leader with integrity. I know you can do it. Lead on.